Welcome to another episode of the NRL Supercoach All-Stars podcast. This is Barnsley and we've got a special guest in today to do our Market Watch TLT podcast. We've got Wilfred Catfish himself. Wilfred, how are you doing this evening? Yeah, good, thanks. Pleasure to be on. Pleasure to have you. 2016 winner Catfish right here. Look at that. <laughs> I have to try and get... I have to try and get a few winners on. Nothing, right? <laughs> oh, that's right. We've got to get the All-Stars on. There's, there's big names. Don't worry about that. I'll try and get... um. Might even try and get Paul Gallon on or something soon and we'll make a real All-Star <laughs> uh, podcast. I was going to say VK is probably a good bloke to get on. Oh, don't worry. V, VK's on the list. I was chatting to him last week. He'll um, he'll get on eventually. So, doing market watch today, Wilfred, um, to start with, and then we'll move into the Teamless Tuesday. So, for everyone out there, market watch we did last week, but um, me and Perso went through a, good, a few of the potential buys and sells for the round. Um, however, this one's even more important because uh, this week, after this week's games, everyone's going to be either dropping in price or or um, going up in price, so it's a real critical one. First couple of weeks were really about um, getting your team right, uh, making sure that you're planning ahead so you had enough trades this round to be able to get all the cheapies that you needed to, all the mid-rangers, uh, and this is the real critical one. So this is probably some of the most important trades of the season, Wilfred, are probably going to be for this week. Yeah, 100%. It, it can make and break your season. Yep. Um, so... Without further ado, let's uh, start off with talking about the sells. Um, and I'll say up front, um, doesn't mean that we're going to be saying these guys are sells. These are a combination of um, probably some guys that we do think are sells, but also a lot of guys that have got a lot of chatter about them um, around the different pages and everything and out there um, about thinking about selling. So we're going to chat about those guys too. Um, Tupo is injured. So he's a definite sell, so there's no point talking about that. Get him out of your team, obviously. Um, but the other one that we're going to cover off, Wilfred, I'm just going to do my two cents on cheapies. And cheapies are going to be guys like Katoa, um, Nichols is another good one. Um, uh, other Leilua, who's being fat and lazy on the Dragon's bench at the moment. Um, all, yep. all of these guys, um, I don't think we need to go into them in detail. I, myself, um, Wilfred, normally just... I'll hold some of those guys if I need to because um, I'd rather move other guys to free up some cash or whatever and they're not real, I guess, um, priorities to trade out or even to waste to trade on. Someone like Katoa might end up sitting there for me for you know a couple of months if I don't need to trade him and maybe he comes back and I just use him or I just use him for loop or something. Are you sort of similar in how you normally view those cheapies? Yeah, definitely. You focus on obviously who might lose your cash your priorities to ditch, but um, you know, Katoa's bottom dollar already, he's not playing, not going to lose anything. Uh, it'd be good eventually to clear up that spot if someone good comes along, you can swap another bottom dollar cheaper or near bottom dollar, but definitely not a priority to get him out. Yeah, for sure, and I guess that's the only, that's the only reason um, I'm considering a Katoa or a Milne who I started with because I just did, um, instead of Semi, which is regrettable now. Um, if I don't have a second trade that I really need to make, I'll, I'll consider going a, you know, a Katoa or a Milne to Semi, something like that. Um, but otherwise, let's talk about the more exciting cells, um, the ones that are going to be a bit more controversial. So, um, first off, Latu. So he's Wilfred last week the most sold player. 
And this week, um, he's being sold quite a bit again. I um, I had some discussions about Latu with you, actually, in the preseason, where I did not like him that much. Uh, I yeah. think that I threw out um, Fatala Mariner as a comparative guy that I preferred. Um, yeah. And um, you will probably beat me in most things that we disagree about, but I'm glad I just got one up on you, maybe, on that one. He's feeling bad about Latu oh, yeah. still. Oh, look, you know, I fell for the trap too, so it's not like I steered people onto him and then dodged it. I, I well and truly fell for that trap. I mean, he had all the right signs, you know. He was promised big minutes. He'd been bought by the coach who was now coaching him. Uh, you know, it was all set for him to, to, to go really well, but he totally bombed it. Um, you know, even though he got decent-ish minutes, he still didn't perform during that time. And his minutes went down in round two, did even worse. So, yeah, real stinker. So, my bad on that one. <laughs> uh, well, I guess the other thing to mention too, Ilatu, is that they've got Wallace back on the bench who is a real good chance of probably getting thrown in the starting side this week too. Yeah, totally agree. You've got to sell him. There's no point holding him. Yeah, and he's probably one of the few guys on this list that I'd rate as a must-sell as well. He's um, There's a reason why he was most sold last week and you definitely have to go with the crowd on this one and sell Latu straight away. 270000 going to be a hell of a lot less in a week's time. Uh, the next guy on the list uh, is similar in that I think people had quite big expectations for Takiaho at the Roosters, um, and quite a few jumped off last week already, but there's still more to jump off, and if you haven't already, I think that you've seen a, a couple of weeks of Takiaho, Wilfred, and the Roosters' rotations, and the fact that he's not really goal-kicking either. Um, would you look at him as a must-sell as well? Uh, look... I don't know about must, but he definitely is a sell. Um, he actually got decent minutes last week. He played 57 compared to 49 in the first week. So he, I think from memory, scored you know, a sh- just shy of 50 points. I could be wrong. Um, um, so 57, there you go. Yeah, no, last week he was at uh, 47 points, so he was a lot better. And his base... That was all base, so you know as well, by the way. So 47 points, all base, um, which, you know, at least he had some decent base that, that week, I guess. Yeah, I guess the only downside is because, you know, Tupo did get injured and then Orbo got injured, so there were more minutes on offer. But, you know, I don't know if he's a, an urgent sell. Um, he's definitely not going to give you much value, though. So if you can turn him, say, into someone like an RFM, someone who's you know, putting out similar scores or better scores at, you know, a lower price point, then absolutely go for it. Or even better, you can upgrade him. Um, so I was lucky enough to have a bit of cash lying spare, so I turned him into Tohu last week. So that went well for me. That's a really good trade, um, turning him into Tohu. And I guess that's probably the other thing with Takiaho is that um, at his price point and with some of the downgrade options available, um, there's a lot of guys around his price that are quite good and there's a lot of even downgrade options that are going to give you better points that we're going to talk about a bit later where you can actually make 50 grand and actually get better points than what Takiho is going to give you. So um, if, you don't ha- if you don't have other issues like a Tupo or something, then um, I think that he's actually pretty close to a definite sell for me um, just because of the options. Yeah. Um, so... Other ones to talk about as well before we get on to a couple of gun cells that are going to be a bit more controversial. BJ Leilua, 
I've actually got Wilfred, um, and I yeah sort of took a bit of a punt. He was my backline punt. I think everyone else um, was mostly going to go pretty well, but um, BJ I took a punt on, and if I didn't hit, I didn't hit. I did not expect him to go down round two though, um, and I thought that he'd done. You know, I thought that he'd broken his leg or something, so I thought that he was gone for months. But it turns out he's actually named in the centres for this week. So, um, what do you what do you make of that? I'm I'm in two minds about whether I should just hold him for a week and see, or whether I should punt him now. Yeah, it's it's mixed. Um, the information that's coming up. So I've heard like a low grade, sorry, a low grade um, high ankle sprain which could see him out from anywhere from one to four weeks, which is, I guess, why he's been named. Because if he is only out the one week and somehow he's managed, he's going to manage to play, um, he could come back. But, yeah, look, you know, the, that syndesmosis injury that they talk about, I mean, I remember a couple of years back, that's what Tommy Turbo had, and that's what Cam Munster had. Um, you know, if you recall that 183 he scored, and everyone grabbed him the week after and didn't play for a month. Oh, I was one of those injury. people. Yep. Yeah, yeah, so uh, probably triggered some post-traumatic stress for you or something like that. <laughs> I, I, um, I have a hatred towards Munster because I've done it. He's done it to me twice now. Both times I've traded him, yeah, he's he's got hurt and, and uh, Bellyache's done his little mind games things as well. So um, yeah, yeah. So I mean that's that's the injury. So he could easily be gone for a month. Who knows? Um, and and I guess with his score, it means he's going to bleed some cash. So you got him in because you wanted a bit of a you know. A, potential hand grenade pod who's going to make you some quick dollars. If he's gone, you know, even one or two weeks, loses cash for two weeks or whatever, then, you know, by that time, Raiders might be, you know, getting towards the harder part of their opening draw. Maybe he's not, you know, going to be doing the job for you anymore. So I think I'd probably lean towards selling. Yeah. So I'm, it's not a must, obviously. Yeah. I, you know, one of my most hated... Um, Things with making trades in super coaches. I really hate making trades without all the information. Like I really yeah. hate it when you don't have a diagnosis and a time frame on someone because it can go yeah. so badly for you. You can hold somebody, like you mentioned, and a Cameron Munster, you think you're holding for a couple of weeks, you end up holding for six weeks and it just kills yeah. you. Um, likewise, the other way around though, there's been so many miracle stories where, you know, I it would be surprising, but not out of the realm of possibility, to see BJ after lockout line up when the Raiders play and actually play. And against the Warriors, you know, he might he might get a good score. So I, I'm I think that I'm actually just holding off until Thursday night and just hoping that some more comes out from um, late mail on BJ to help me decide. Um, I think that my yep. my threshold is going to be a week. If he's if he's out one week, um, I can probably deal with that. And hold him for a week because you know I, I put him there for a reason. The draw is not too bad after the Warriors. Um, he's BE seventy eight at the moment, approximately, which isn't terrible. I'll probably hold him, but if it's two weeks plus, then you're probably right. It probably becomes a little bit more murky on whether it is really two or three weeks or whatever. Um, and I remember Ben Barber many Super Coach seasons ago burning people with a syndesmosis injury as well. So yeah, yeah. I'm no, not too I can sure. probably see why that why you might do that so yeah all right well bj's a bj's a wait and see i think to be um to be confirmed on his status before the game um now aside from that wilfred like those are all guys that are either got injuries or 
to, um, I guess, a definite cells like a Latu that you just need to cut ties with and get rid of. Um, yeah. There's another couple of guys, though, that a lot of people are talking about that are actual guns that are really good super coach players that um, people are looking at cutting bait on very early in the season already. Um, the first guy yeah. is Paul Gallon. Um, bit of a controversial one. Um, there's a few different thoughts on uh, on Big Gow, on whether you cut bait now or, or not. What are your thoughts on um, ho- on holding Paul Gallon or selling him now? I think for me, I'd have to sell him with that break-even. I mean, it's, you know, almost 150. That's pretty nuts. Um, you know, he could lose you, you know, 50 grand in a week if he, you know, turns out another 50 or so. Um, look, his minutes are building... Um, he's building into f- some fitness, but, you know, there's been chat around that he actually did no pre-season at all, didn't play the trials, and so he's just not ready for footy. And, you know, as as, as good as he is, he's still 37, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> um, and, and it's just hard to imagine him being able to build back to the 75-point average gal in the space of one or two weeks. And you just think he's going to bleed cash. You're not going to captain him. You can't risk that anymore um you know why not spend that coin on someone better let Jow, you know drop that cash you could be another 50 grand cheaper in in two weeks and maybe you jump back or whatever you'll have to see how he goes but at this stage i mean i'd have to lean towards selling him this stage yeah i think i'm pretty much the same um and it's not because i don't think gal will ever get back to what he was he might um but like you said, if he hasn't had much of a pre-season at all, maybe it's three weeks, four weeks away before he really comes good. And to me, um, you know, 675,000, his numbers are 40 points a game at the moment across an average of 51 minutes across the first two rounds. And the concerning thing too, Wilfred, for me, um, he's, his PPM's always been well over one PPM. And so far, even yeah. though it's a small sample size, it's only been 0.79, so even if he was getting, you know, the, a bit more minutes, he still wasn't going to be, he was still going to be 20 to 30% below his PPMs of prior years in his output. Yeah, definitely. That that drop in PPM is quite concerning as well. So it's not just the minutes, as you say, that um, you know, his work rate on the field is no good. Yeah, I think he's had hardly any offloads at all. I think he had one round one and then, and then none or, or vice versa, so... The, um, some of those stats are, are a bit concerning. Um, so, yeah, he's a definite sell for me. And I was um, actually looking at it today and I was saying to someone, um, you know, a lot of guys, especially rookie super coaches, uh, are loathe to sell someone and then a relatively short ter- time down the track actually buy them again just because they've already sold them and wasted that trade. So, you know, six weeks down the track, um, if someone sold Paul Gallon. Some people find it quite hard to buy him again because they look at it as in, you know, I've, I've spent two trades on Paul Gallon and that's only within a six-week period. Um, I, I never feel like that. I feel like that really constrains your trades to what you can really do. So, you know, I always look at it without the names attached to it and with a Paul Gallon, you know, I'm just saying to myself if I own him, I can make money with this trade straight away. He's going to drop in cash potentially 100k in the next few weeks, um, even if he starts to improve, maybe even as much as 150k. So I can stop myself from dropping that cash, um, get the same points from someone like a Trent Marin is a good example, $160,000 yep. less. 
I'm going to make $160,000 with that trade right now and get somebody who's going to score better points right now and be comparatively close to the same value in maybe a few weeks with the rate that Merrin will go up. And then yep. in six weeks' time, if I'm looking for a player and Paul Gallen is 480000 550000 range and he's scoring in the 60s, um, why not grab him again? Uh, to me, that seems like um, it might be the best move if he ends up improving. Yep, no, I totally agree. That that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, so I think we, we're both on the sell gallon bandwagon, but we're not going to jump off uh, Gal being a, a force again at some point in the season. Um, so let's like to see him do it first, yeah. Yeah, I, well, that's a really good point too. Um, you know, you, you would like to see two, at least two weeks of it, I think, wouldn't you, to... To be comfortable. Certainly. Yep, I agree. Um, so the other one is uh, your Broncos homeboy, Wilfred. Milford. He's, <laughs> uh, he was um, really tough to watch in that first week. Um, and I did think he was going to bounce back and I actually VC'd him for that Cowboys game, but he didn't quite, didn't quite do the super coach numbers I was hoping for, even though he looked a lot better during the game. Um, I... I'm going to hazard a guess myself that um, a lot of the reasons why people are talking about selling Milford is just because of what I've spoken about in some of the other podcasts with different guests that have come on, that um, the halves and fullback make it really hard this year because there's so many good players. And yep. to get some of these guys, you have to sell a good player to get a good player. And that makes it really difficult. Like in the forwards, it's really easy to sell someone that's either an underperforming gun like a gallon or someone who's just been terrible like a Latu with somebody else and just get the good guy that you want that you know is going to give you some great points now. Whereas um, with yep. Milf, you know, there's all these tempting options like a, a Sean Johnson, um, a Daily Cherry Evans for a bit of a pod trade-in um, and all yep. these other type of halves. So I think people are looking at a jumping ship prematurely because they're seeing all these other halves doing so well. Um, I own Milford and I, I can't fathom trading him and I don't know if maybe I'm, I'm holding on too long or um, or he is going to come good but I'm pretty sure that he's going to come good Wilfred are you holding out hope still for him? Yeah absolutely I actually bought him expecting mediocre scores rounds one and two um, round one is probably a bit lower than I'd hoped but um, you know I bought him for rounds three to twelve basically minus round seven which is the storm game where the storm flogged the Broncos annually but um, yeah, every other round, like looking at the, the either the opponent or the fact that I think there's a four week stretch where he plays the Suncorp in a row. So yeah, hundred percent. Those were the reasons where um, I brought him in. So I'm I'm definitely holding firm to to Milford. Yeah, I think he's a I think he's a definite hold. Um, and I do feel like it's a little bit of not quite even chasing last week's points, but maybe even chasing the last two weeks' points. And you know you can. Every fortnight, you can jump on a brand new half or five eight, and because based on the great two weeks that they've had, and it's guaranteed it's going to be somebody that you don't have that's going to have the greatest next two weeks. It's just the way the halves work. Um, so I was pretty the much way the averages work. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's where the averages work, right? And I mean that's the thing too, right? If you're looking at the numbers, you know Milford is currently averaging thirty eight points. We all know he's not going to do that. You know, he's averaged 65, 65, 67, 70 points the last four years. He's going to average 65 to 70 points. It's going to happen. So to me, you know, glass half full, positive type of character, I'm going to say, you know, if he's averaging 38 points, that just means that his next big game's 
probably right around the corner because it's got to average out sooner. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, I think with Milford as well, if you look at, even though he scored, what, 57 or something like that, uh, yep. if you break down his, his game, um, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I, I obviously watched him. That's the Brooklyn game. I always watched him. Uh, but if you look at the actual performance on the field, he made so many runs, and at least three of them were very close to being line breaks. And often when Milford breaks out, breaks the line, gets out into the open, you know, you're looking at potentially not, you know, at least a line break, or he scores a try, or he sets up one of his support players for, you know, the try assist. So that that two point run can easily become, you know, another plus four for two tackle busts and then uh, another, you know, 20, 27 for the line break and, and, and the try. So, you know, just he could have had another 60 points very easily and gone 120. So um, the, the fact that he was running so much, it just, you know, I'm definitely not dropping him. Yeah, it was good signs. And, I mean, some of his other numbers as well stack up that it's coming. Um, last season, 70% of his games he scored 60 points or more. Um, and even before yeah. that, when it was well less, he was still doing it half the time. It was still at 50%. So if he's, if for four years he's been scoring you know, 60 points or more um, every second game or more, basically, yeah, it's got to be coming. So I'm a, I'm a real firm believer in holding. And I'm similar to you. I actually had him for this next run. So I wasn't expecting anything the first two weeks. And I didn't think anyone should have really been. It was all about... Yeah. Um, round three with the Tigers, even though they look a lot better, um, I don't know if it can last. And then, you know, Gold Coast Titans, Newcastle Knights, New Zealand Warriors, um, that's a good um, four-week period there for Milford to hit straps before he hits the storm in a tougher game in five weeks. So I'm pretty excited. Yeah. Um, and I was watching that game, as I'm sure you were, Wilfred, as well, where uh, somebody made a break and they passed left instead of right to the try scorer and I was just screaming for Milford to get the ball on the inside and it didn't happen so um, but yeah I, I think it's coming so we'll definitely definitely say hold Milford um, and that's pretty much it for the cells uh, so we'll move on to the buys probably the first one we'll talk about is one of your fantastic young Broncos youngsters Tavita Pengo Jr., um, he's the most purchased player at the moment um, and with good reason. Uh, a lot of people trading him in last week, uh, but not nearly enough. I remember looking and he was only about 5, 5.5, 5.6% ownership or something, and that's going up a lot this week. Easily the most traded in guy. Um, I really like him for 338k. I thought he looked really good on the weekend again. Um, and if you want him, uh, you probably got to do it now because he's going to get close to 400k after this weekend. Yeah, look, I, I've had a man crush on him for a couple of years now. I've been waiting for him to break out. Um, you know, I, I called him as my smoky of 2018 and started with him once I saw he was going to get the start round one. So yeah, no, you don't have to sell sell to Vita Pangai Junior to me. <laughs> um, look, I guess the, there's a lot of concern at the same time about his minutes dropping to only 40. Uh, he played like 45, 46 round one, uh, round two only 40 against the Cowboys, uh, which obviously you know, nudged his base down a little bit. Um, obviously, he scored a try to bump up his score to 71 in the end, which, I mean, 
he could have broken the ton if he had managed to get the ball down the other time he was trying to you know score over about four different guys um but you know he he's definitely a super coach machine he runs hard he always busts a couple of tackles he's got a, a really nice offloader in him uh, and he's you know got a nose for the try line when he can get close enough so what's not to like yeah couldn't Up agree more <laughs> uh, yeah, aside from the de- de- decreasing minutes and uh, the resets, uh, yeah, look, I I love him. Um, I started with him as well, um, so I'm in a fortunate position like you. I don't need to trade him in if I didn't have him. Um, and this question's coming up a lot around the traps. I'd definitely be buying him. Um, and the minute stuff is real, but I sort of see it as a positive um, and a reason to buy him because even when he gets. Um, 40 minutes, and me and Billy were talking about this in the preseason pods. He's one of those guys that doesn't need many minutes, you know. He's only played mid-20s before, and we're saying preseason, you know, even if he gets 40 minutes, he's going to make a heap of cash, and he's going to be decent. Um, So, yeah, and I think one of the misconceptions um, with his PPM and stuff is people are worried that, you know, he scored a try or, yeah, he had four offloads and these tackle breaks and stuff. That's the type of guy that he is. He's one of those guys um, won't score a try every week, but he's going to have those attacking stats all the time because that's what he does. He offloads, he gets his TBs, and that's the sort of player that he is, you know. So I don't see that dropping yeah. off or anything. Yeah, look, the, the, the reality is he actually didn't score a try last year, so this is his first, his first try for quite a while. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like, uh, I think there's only upside from here. The more time he gets on the ground, uh, the more chances are he'll get more attacking stats too. So, yeah, get him in. Get him in. And the final point that I'll leave on TPJ is me personally, um, I always like the, the double whammy guys because it gives you options and flexibility. And what I mean by double whammy is TPJ is a guy that I feel comfortable playing in my 17. I feel comfortable that I'll get decent points with. And he might end up being a guy that I even want to keep and I don't even want to sell. And then on the other side, I know I'm going to make money out of him. So when you get a guy that's going to give you good points and be a potential fringe keeper and also make a lot of money, I mean, that's a great combo. There's nothing not to like. Um, so let's let's move on to Sammy from the Gold Coast Titans. Uh, he's projected to go up over $50,000 this week, Wilfred, and I, I was not too keen on him round one, and I think I even chatted to you about um, whether he had that much job, job security with, um, Brendan Elliott and Brenko Lee um, to come back, even though those guys aren't great. Sammy's not established either. Um, but I'm slowly yeah. warming to him as a as a pretty good buy. Yeah, look, I think we were both on the same page in that we weren't too sure about his job security. Uh, the latest I've heard is Brenko and Brendan Elliott are going to be back in round four, or at least available for selection in round four. From what I've seen, I mean, he seems like he's, he looks to the, to the eye test, definitely looks like a better player than Bernard Elliott. So my question is, what impact does Branko have? Um, whether or not Branko gets to play centre and pushes out Copley, or whether, you know, Brennan decides he will want to run with Branko and Copley on the same edge, which would just be a, a super coach gold, gold mine for every other opposing you know, right-wing pairing. <laughs> that would be fantastic. <laughs> you would just... 
I think you could win Supercoach again, Wilfred, if that happened and you just traded in with your two trades every week, the centre and winger opposing the artistic carnage. Uh, it's, um, they're not very good defenders. But, yeah, he looks like a really good player. He works hard. I mean, he, he sure he had a line break last week, but take that out. He's still looking at a, you know, a decent floor, about 40 um, from his 51 points. So that's certainly not bad at all. Uh, from from someone his price, I mean, it, it would have been nice if he was, you know, another even thirty grand cheaper. I'd be all over him. Um, but two thirty four, look, I think he's going to make you a bit of money. Sure, the Titans aren't a great team, but they seem to score a lot of points. But Ash Taylor getting back um, can only help them. So yeah, the question is job security. At the very least, we'll get another week or two out of him. Um, anyone breaks, he's straight back in. So. Yeah, I mean, I guess the next guy that we'll move on to um, is a good comparison point, um, Peter Hiku. Um, he's on that right edge, so he's you know on that uh, SJ Tohu side, um, which you'd think is going to be the favoured attacking side. He threw up an 84 on the weekend with a heap of attacking stats without a try. Um, he's 280k, so he's about um, you know 48k or something more than what Sammy is. Do you see Hiku as a better buy this week than what Sammy is if you don't have him? Yeah, definitely. He's he's definitely got um, a bit more pedigree. Obviously, he's been around for a couple of years. Uh, if you look back at his history, he averaged between, sorry, not the most recent seasons where he was coming off the bench and all that, um, but when he was playing in the centres, in the wing, centre wing, um, for even Manly and the start with Penrith, he was averaging between 45 to 49 across the season. So he's definitely got that better pedigree there. He's got job security at the Warriors, firing some disaster where he gets replaced by Gerard Beal. He's still out <laughs> for quite a few weeks, so I wouldn't be too worried about that. But, yeah, look, he, he's a hard worker. We're um, playing on the right edge. With, you know, SJ, Tohu, and Fusatua. Um, it's That's a potent attacking side. Might not be the best in def- defence, but... It's certainly a lot of points down that edge. So yeah. I, I definitely would grab Hiku over Sammy. Yeah, I think he's a good buy, and I'm, I think I'm going to be grabbing him over Sammy as well. Um, I guess uh, the other side of it for me is um, I've been slightly worried that I didn't think the Warriors were going to start that well, um, to be honest, and I'm still kind of waiting. It's all like the Tigers. I'm waiting for the penny to drop a little bit and for everything to revert to the mean. You know, it's one of those things where you look at the the ladder in round two or three each year. and um, yeah, You go, oh, wow, can, can these guys keep it up? Is the ladder really going to look like this? And the reality is, that, yeah. you know, even the guys that manage to stick around and play above their weight for six weeks of the season, you know, a couple of months later, they're not there. Everybody drops off that's not meant to be there. And I'm not convinced the Warriors are a top eight team at all. So, I mean, I guess with Hiku myself, I'm, I'm probably going to buy him and I think he's a good buy. I'm a little bit wary that the Warriors could go on a bit of a, a dud run that they're known for. Yeah, look, that's certainly a, a possibility. They do have a pretty tough run coming up, uh, aside from the Raiders this week, even though it's in Canberra. But, you know, then they've got to go to Sydney to play the Roosters. And then there's three games straight in New Zealand, but Cowboys, Broncos, Dragons. So yeah, could be some tough games. But, you know, when they're at home, anything can happen, to be honest. They're, they're pretty scary over in New Zealand. 
Yeah, and I guess the good thing with Hiku too is that um, unlike some of these other guys that threw out a big round one score, Hiku's got that 84 in his round two score, so you're going to get him around for a couple of price rises before it drops out, um, Yeah, which is handy. Um, so let's He's move. got good base too, so... Yeah, he does. I actually used to like him quite a bit, um, and I got burned because um, I think when he went over to Penrith, um, I was a bit keen on him. And then he just didn't get the opportunity, and he was just a massive dud because of injuries, and I felt like an idiot because I was talking about him and saying he's got some decent work and stuff, but it just didn't materialise um, after he looked pretty good at Manly. But maybe he's found his home now. Um, but we'll talk about another back as well that's yeah. a little bit more expensive, but you know, one of those tweener guys that um, can make some good money even though he's over 300K, um, Corey Thompson. Um, having a career resurgence all of a sudden at the West Tigers, which no one would have thought because he didn't even look good at the Bulldogs. Um, come back yeah. from the Super League and started off with a, a 90 score um, and then in a tough fought win over the Melbourne Storm with limited attack, he still scored 54. He's close to 320 grand. A lot of people are, are tossing him up as a potential trade-in. Um, I don't really like him as a buy, Wilfred. I... I think he's just a bit too expensive. Um, I think the penny will drop for the Tigers. Ivan Cleary's all over the shop. Nofo was dropped round one. He's back round two. Lowy, um, Lola Hia isn't there at the moment, who's a normal fullback. I don't even know if they've got room for all these guys that they probably want to play. Um, I'm really in two minds about Corey Thompson. How do you feel about him? I think um, <clears throat> I'm not sold. I know he's had two huge games in terms of his base and everything like that, but he's also got multiple seasons of mediocreness. Um, like back when he was at the Bulldogs, he I think one year he had a he scored like nine or ten tries or something playing on the wing, and he averaged thirty six. Yeah. So his work rate is it's insane right now. It's very impressive, but he's never done it before, um, and, and that's the biggest question for me. I mean, if you take out his attacking stats, so. Uh, for me, I, I normally take out, you know, tries, tries, assists, line breaks and line break assists when I looked at, you know, their base or base attack. Yep. So you take all of that out and that's, you know, 37 points from his um, week one score of 97. So it's still 60, which is huge. But there's, you know, he, he's not going to get three offloads and seven tackle busts every single week. Um, and then, you know, you look at week two, 54 against the Storm. So that's, that's impressive because of how many stoppages there were, but he still had a line break in that. So take that out, he's down to 44. Um, he's still got three offloads and five tackled by. So he's definitely getting through that work. But like you said, the, can he keep it up? I mean, he's never done it before. And I just don't know. Like, I'd feel better about the purchase if his 97 was week two, um, not, not week one, because Sure, he's got a negative break even this week, but he could jump up. You know, I think his break even is like forty, mid forty, somewhere some negative forty, something like that. Yeah. So you know, that's twenty grand right off the bat, and then whatever he scores this week. So you know, there's every chance he can grab an attacking stack against uh, stat against the Broncos. So say say he scores another sixty, that's, that's you know fifty grand he'll jump up. Um, but then you know he's he's almost three eighty grand or something like that. Yeah, that's a really good point. Much 
about the money, that's a really good point because they're the worst type of guys to have. I've had many of them in the past where they get that quick cash and then all of a sudden it dries up and you have to make these really bad decisions on, I don't want to hold this guy. I don't want to play him. And he's only made 40 or 50 grand and, you know, I haven't made enough money, but if I keep him, then I'm going to lose the cash that I just made because he just put in a dud score. So... I think with those type of guys, you really need to make the money pretty quickly. Um, yeah. So you can make those decisions quick and just cut them. Whereas Thompson, I can see being a headache and guys either having to sell him for a 50, 60, maybe 70K profit, which isn't really enough, or end up holding him and then having to have him sit there for four to six weeks longer trying to get that money back. Yeah. I think if you look at... Um if, say he scores 60 this week, his, his break even next week is probably going to be 20. So, and he'll be he'll be worth roughly like three, uh, hang on, three three ninety, something somewhere somewhere around there. So, it's not really going to, you know, that that money could dry up pretty quickly. So unless he keeps smashing like 60 plus each week, he might get up to 420 or whatever. But you know, you're you're depending on set a wing option being that consistent, you know, scoring 60 plus for like four or five weeks in a row, you know, to get that money. Playing for the Tigers. So, yeah, exactly. And yeah, they're top of the ladder right now, but you know, can they keep that up? They've never done it before. So yeah, I think, I don't think he's a risk you have to take. Not when there's options like Hiku and Sammy and, and you know, cheaper guys who you can spend the extra coin on. And that's the thing I don't understand with a lot of people that are grabbing him. Um, I don't think that I don't think that all the people grabbing him have nailed the teams better than everybody else, where they've got all these other options already in their team. So, like, yeah, to, yeah, to me, you hit the nail on the head with. Well, if you're looking at Corey Thompson and you don't have a Hiku, you don't have a Semi, um, or you don't even have some of these forwards instead, like a TPJ, um, then you know it's. You're making the wrong choice, I think. So I think we're both in agreement there. Let's move on because talking about Corey Thompson for too long isn't good for anyone. Um, <laughs> uh, let's uh, throw some excitement in. We'll talk about my boys now, the Roosters. Um, Ryan Madison, um, I think he's, I'm pretty sure he scored 80 minutes last week. Um, but it was with, you know, the injury affected Orbo um, in there and also Daniel Tupo going down and the reshuffles needed to happen. But, um, he's got a BE of around negative three from memory, uh, 420k, center wing, and also uh, second row eligible, which is nice. Um, I'm yep. I'm a real-life Madison fan, and I always said it's only a matter of time before the Roosters shuffle him into a starting back row or somewhere. Um, it's been their plans yep. from the beginning. He's starting there this week, and he got 80 minutes there last week with the injuries. I'm um I'm really considering it myself as a trade in for this week. Yeah, look, I can certainly see the appeal. I mean, like you, I really rate him in real life. I think he's a really good player. Um, I would love it if he got to play Eddie each week. Uh, he'd be a must buy if that was the case. He'd be this year's Crick, uh, Angus Crichton. Yep. Um, I just don't know if he'll get that eighty. Not not with Orbison on the bench. Um, you know, that's I think that's the team list this week. So, I was kind of looking at it like he, um, maybe his worst case is he's going to get, maybe he can get, you know, 60, even if he's 
not getting the 80. And in 60 minutes, you know, his PPM at the moment is over one, but that does include um, a try that he scored um, last game for his 85 points. But I yeah. still sort of see him as a guy that, that probably still approaches that, that one PPM mark. Like, even if you drop it to a 0.95 or something, I still think that he's close to that. So if he can do that, like, he could probably throw you out a 55-point a um, average while he's playing his 60 minutes. And that's still reasonably viable for me. Um, but it is a little bit of a, a tough territory, isn't it? I think so. I mean, the... The fact is, week one, I mean, he played 58 minutes, and that was with Cordner playing only 56. Yeah. So, all of us did play 80 that week. Um, it's just, yeah, I just I can't feel comfortable. I mean, you know, Tafia only played 49 that time. Um, you know, Tedavano only played 31. Nafa only played 40, and then week two, he played 59. Um, like you said, there was injuries, but you know, I just don't, I just, yeah, it's just, there's so much uncertainty about his minutes and his role. I mean, week one, he was playing, started on the a left edge, I believe, for, for corner, and then he pushed into the middle and played lock. Yeah. Um, but week two, he started on the right edge, and then he, um, Orbison was on the bench, and then he came on to replace Tupo uh, with Lecho going to the left wing. And then when Orbison went down injured as well, then Madison spent the last 30 minutes playing left centre. So he's all over the shop, and uh, I just don't know if his versatility kind of hurts him, that he could be that Mr. Fix-It guy whenever Orbison's not around. Um, yeah, so. I mean, it's one of those things, though, where it's, it is it is quite unlucky, though, for Orbison to go down as well in a game, um, which isn't yeah. going to happen too often. Like Orbison's always going to be the number one go-to, and realistically, uh, for Hooker or even the halves, um, probably more so for Hooker, but they've got Radley on the bench who can yep. who can slot into there. So I, I kind of, you know, I, I'm trying to talk myself into buying him, but I feel like Radley and Orbison will be the coverage and it's pretty unlucky if we get another game where Madison has to be in the centres because, yeah, they made the kid put on like 12 kilos um, in his first yep. 12 months at the club and he's a big guy now though. Like he's, yep. he's about six four and I, I don't think his stats are right. I think he's about 114 kilos or something. He's huge. So I don't even yeah. think that he can really play in the centres properly or anything anymore, you know. So how I mean look, let's let's go for devil's advocate here. Like let's just look at the minutes, you know, with your feel for it. Say that Orbison's on the bench and all things being equal, he's starting in the second row. How many minutes yeah. do you feel like the Roosters are gonna give him? Orbison. No, for Madison. Like with Albo on the bench, and assuming he's just going to stick to the bench and take play a bench role. Yeah. Yep. What sort of your guesstimate? Yeah. I I can't feel like he would play more than sixty. You know, fifty to sixty would be the range, I'd say. Yeah. And I mean, sixty. Then, like what you said, you know, if he can get a fifty-five average out, then sure, that sounds decent, and you'd take that in your center wing, uh, especially this year with. You know, it's a bit of a dumpster fire. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, if it's 50, then he could pump you up 45s or whatever. And I don't really want 45s for a 420 grand uh, player. So. Yeah, he's a tough, tough one. one. I think it's, um, I think we both agree that it's a bit of a um, 
buy at your own risk type of scenario. And it might come off I'd, and it might not. Yeah, I'd be happy to wait one more week. I mean, I did that with Crichton last year. Yeah. He, every, the week everyone jumped on, I mean, he, he went nuts, which is good for them. I waited just a week and I paid like a 40 grand premium for it, but I felt a lot more comfortable bringing him in, not one, you know, knowing what his role was going to be. Yeah, so I, I, I did I the think, same, except I waited for four weeks, mate, and um, and I, <laughs> I, I didn't feel comfortable at all at <laughs> spending the money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, the only thing I want to see with, you know, Madison this week is how many minutes he gets while Orbis is still on the bench. So if he, if, if Orbo is not on the bench come final lockout, I mean, yeah, final team list, then I might feel conf- more confident just jumping on. Um, but if he's there, I, I'd i want to watch just for that one week. And yeah, and Madison it's still going to be you know, sub-50, like, uh, sorry, sub-450. Um, even if he has a decent yeah. game, he's still going to be under 450K, so... That's probably pretty good advice with him. Um, we won't spend too much time on his Roosters teammate, but I did just want to raise quickly um, a guy that's not really being talked about as a buy very much that um, I think is a decent one to consider, and that's Blake Ferguson. Um, yeah. And I, I bring him up because not, not that many people are, and I'm not sure why, and it is a case of if you don't buy Blake Ferguson this week, you're probably not going to want to later because I can barely stomach paying what Blake Ferguson costs now, but he's definitely worth <laughs> it. And um, I'm not going to be able to stomach paying more money for him later on if I don't do it. So let's have a bit of a chat about Fergo. I mean, I've been really impressed and quite startled with his work rate. And then I remembered that he's playing for a contract. So uh, that's yeah. one of the best motivations for a footballer when they want to get paid and they're a winger. Um, yeah. He's got a 57-point game. Uh, against the Bulldogs. Um, it did include a try, but he still had really high work rate involvement with a lot of hit-ups. Uh, and obviously, he's 91 yeah. points against the Tigers, which was stunning. He had like three line breaks and was just everywhere. Um, 438,000, only a little bit more than Madison. Maybe he's a better pod trade-in um, as far as uh, Bruce's centre wing goes. I think the fact that you know what his role is, he'll be playing 80 minutes each week on that right wing and right now he's making a truckload of hit-ups. I mean, week one, he ran the ball 21 times, scored 30 points, sorry, 36 points in, in hit-ups alone, uh, which is massive base. That's like RTS level. Yeah. Uh, and then week two, he he actually, yeah, pretty much made the same, uh, actually, exactly 22 the same runs. So, yeah, 22 runs for the same amount. He just wasn't as effective with his runs, but... Yeah, like it's 57 included the try, but no line break. So he's still, you know, that base of about 40, which that's, you know, at the upper level for the center wings. And playing for the Roosters, who are going to score plenty of points this year, it's not a bad buy at all. Uh, I, I mean, so many people started with Trolls, so many people started with Tupo, expecting them to, you know, cash in. But Fogo kind of got ignored on the other wing. Uh, when, you know, that's the go-to wing for Kronk, you know? How many tries did he kick for Gunavalu? Yeah, exactly. Um, I actually did want him um, a little bit in the preseason, but I thought Tupo was by far the better option, and obviously he's injured. So my trade this week might actually be Daniel Tupo to Blake Ferguson, and I'll make 65000 bank out of that. So, yeah. yeah I, I don't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's a great one to look at. And your point about his, his base, I mean, if you've got 40 points... 
even if he doesn't do anything else aside from run the ball and make a couple of tackles, I mean that's that's pretty good. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm highly considering him at the moment, um, and he's probably safer than Madison. So let's move on to um, our last couple of guys. Um, Sow at the Warriors. Um, this might be a guy that we disagree about a little bit. Um, I I don't see him as a bad trade-in, um, but I've got a lot of question marks around him. He's um he's got a good PPM and he's performed pretty well. My um my preseason back row for the Warriors was actually potentially going to be Parsi, and then he obviously got injured in the trial and had to ditch that idea. He came back from um, New South Wales Cup and he's on the bench this week. Um, he apparently tore it up in New South Wales Cup and had a massive game. He's on the bench this week. Do you think that maybe with Sal that obviously Mannering's not going to take his role now that Papali's gone and injured, he's going to take that role. But is Parsi potentially a you know a Sal killer? Yeah, looks about the I was very keen once I heard Papali went down. I was like, oh, Sal should be safe now. But looking at the bench this week, it definitely isn't as clear-cut anymore. Um, the fact that they swapped Cook out uh, and brought Tabana in as well, um, who plays, who, who, who subbed for Luke a fair bit last year, but also played a fair bit of Locke. Yep. Um, so that, that also makes me nervous, since obviously Locke is where Sal's been playing most of his minutes the last two weeks. So, yeah, I was all over him at first, but I am getting a little bit concerned. Uh, but having said that, he's got a decent PPM this year. Um, and even if his minutes drop to 30, that's still, at his price point, he's still going to make you some money. So he, he's just, I think he's still a relatively safe buy. I don't think he loses his spot when Mannering gets back. Because I think the fact that he's starting ahead of, you know, Asola, Lusone and Parsi right now shows that he's still ahead in the pecking order. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't completely disagree with you, but the thing in the back of my head with Parsi is he doesn't have the match fitness yet or the runs on the board. Um, how many NRL games is it going to take? You know, if he carves up the Raiders off the bench this week and then gives them some good punch against the Roosters, is Parsi you know, yeah. the starting side? Especially if they end up with some but back-to-back Parsi- losses. Parsi was playing left edge in the trial when he got injured. He right. started on the edge, and then Mannering moved from lock to the left edge. So that's why I'm wondering. I, I don't know what he played in in um, reserve grade last week, but if he was playing edge, then maybe he's going to share minutes with Pulu, who perhaps Carney doesn't think he can play eighty or whatever. Mm. So see if that's if that's the case, then you know Sal's a bit safer, but. Well, then it depends what he does with Mannering when he gets back, whether, you know, Mannering goes back straight to lock and then Sal ends up on the bench. Yeah, I, I genuinely don't know. Yeah, um, I, the other thing that um, put me off Sal a little bit is it's, um, me and Perso spoke about this in quite a bit of detail um, on one of the past pods, that it's a complete reverse this year where, um, you know, every other year you have a heap of a gluttony of centre wing cheapies to throw in and it's fine. Whereas this year, there's just been all of these um, cash cow, rookie, but also mid-range cow forwards and less dual yep. positions. So it's really hard. So looking at my team, uh, even if I really was high on Sal, I don't know who I could take out to actually put him in. Like, I don't have any room. Yeah, well, I've 
I'm lucky enough, or unlucky if you want to put it that way. I've got, <laughs> I've got Latu. <laughs> oh well, so he's a good downgrade option for me, um, and frees up you know a good eighty grand in cash or whatever. Um, but I mean, I've also thought about paying Noah for even you know another fifteen grand cheaper as well, who also has job security questions, but he's actually got the better break even of those couple of, you know, similarly priced rookie forwards or rookie priced forwards. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried about Tegnanoa. Um, he looks good in real life, but um, I'm just not sure whether he'll be able to spend yeah. enough minutes. Um, and then when Lussie comes back as well and the rotation shifts around, but I'm not I'm not sure. But, um, but it's a good segue from Sal. You mentioned that you've got the room because you've got guys that you can move out of there. Have you got um, Fatala Mariner at the moment? No, I don't. So here was my other consideration. I could potentially go Latu to RFM because um, I've got Kikau and Nichols chilling in my uh, second row at the moment, so they could easily shift up. Yep. Um, yeah, I've been thinking about it. I just don't know. Um, see, I've got Tupo, Latu, and, um, yeah, I, I want to get rid of Nichols as well because he's a spud. Um, I did Nichols to, to Rocco last week, which didn't yeah, work out good for the week. Upgrade. Yeah, <laughs> it certainly wasn't for the week, I can tell you that much. But, uh, you know, uh, like Billy said, to try and make me feel better, if if every second week he scores 61 and every other week it's 27, it's still going to be okay. So, yeah, fingers <laughs> crossed. It's fair. It's fair. Um, so, yeah, like, I, I'm going to make a decision when I want to cash in Tupo for one of the center wing uh, cheapy, so Sammy would be my option, really, unless I want to, you know, take a punt on a Fogo or a Madison or anyone else like that. Uh, but yeah, Latu downgrade to a Tanganoa or a Sale was appealing because um, it frees up, frees up. Um, you know, I'll, I'll have about three hundred sixty-five grand to spend the week after and go shopping. That sounds sound pretty good. Um, I'm just going to give you some stats on Fatala Mariner, though, because he was my boy pre-season, and I traded him in yeah, last yeah. week as well um, yeah. because I didn't stick to my guns on him because I couldn't fit him. Um, yeah. I didn't mind his 46 points on the weekend because um, I thought that he looked pretty good, and he also had an error, which would have been an offload to turn that around and be a 50-point game. Um, yep. First round, obviously, 76 points with his try and everything, but... He, he looks like he's cemented his 80 minutes, which is the big thing. Two weeks in a row at the 80, and um, it looks yep. like that lock position is going to be the rotating one to sort of put guys in the doghouse and give bench guys opportunity. Um, I really like him as a buy. He's got a minus 17 break-even at the moment, and looking at his run, Penrith, Stouse, and Canberra aren't sides that inspire me as being um, tough teams where the dogs aren't going to be able to put some points on. I mean... Even though they've lost, um, you know, they lost badly against the Storm, but they still threw 18 points down. I think their attack's a little bit better than what it was, and Fatala Mariner looks like a bit of an attacking weapon on the edge. So um, that's why I asked you with Sal, with your, um, you know, Latu trade, whether you had Fatala Mariner, because I see Fatala Mariner as, as quite a good trading. Yeah, look, definitely. I could definitely do that. Um I do agree with you. I think he's going to get that 80 minutes. Um, I just, well, I mean, I look at it just saying, if he averages 50, 
which is basically, like you said, the 45 to 50 range is going to be his base. He'll peak, I think, at around about uh, 430 grand, thereabouts. So yep. that's about 120 grand. So that's not bad. Definitely not, not bad at all. Also um, a guy that you can be comfortable putting in your 17 at the moment as well, as like a yeah, 17th absolutely. guy. I guess what I'm trying to balance is uh, I don't want to have too many options of, you know, if you, if you get what I mean. Because right now I'm running from my reserves. I've got Cook, I've got Lodge, I've got Cardi, and I've got Ponga. And, you know, if, I've, if I then get, um, you know, RFM, then I'm going to be, you know, perhaps benching one of those four guys each week. So... Yeah, I know what you mean. That is probably... Yeah, it's just uh, I, I want to kind of, you know, concentrate the money into my starting third team. And right now my center wing is a dumpster fire. So, you know, by taking money away from there, you know, like, yeah, sure, I can get myself RSM. But, you know, with this 365 grand I've got, I could potentially turn one of the spots I've got left into, you know, maybe Nofo next week or the week yeah. after if he keeps his spot. Uh, and that would look pretty all right you know, next to Rapana and Hiku and Kenna or Isaka, whatever. Well, the yeah. other thing too is that you don't want to make, oh, I know I don't, I don't like having to make too many decisions. So um, limiting my <laughs> side to 18 or 19 guys also limits my mistakes that I can make in starting a guy that's going to score 25 points and watching someone score 70 on the bench. So there's that as well. Yep. So I know where you're coming from. I think anyone that's going for, Raymond Fatala Mariner shouldn't second guess it though. If that's how your side's set up, where you no, can fit him, um, you should be going for it. He, he looks like a genuine great purchase at the moment. I think um, he's he's my pick out of you know the likes of Griffin, SAS, say um, who else? Who else is around that price range? Um, I mean, um, even TPJ. Well, Arrows around there tempted. as well, and Arrows looks pretty decent yeah. too. But he's another one that's almost the same sort of price and type of buy as well. Um, well, yeah. yeah, talking about those guys, I mean, Slade Griffin was next on my list, so let's talk a bit about him. I um, I was really annoyed, and I actually considered uh, some round one trades and stuff, and even last week, instead of a Rocco um, getting Slade Griffin in, I do have the dreaded Havili second hooker, but to be honest, even though the minutes have been bad, he hasn't looked that bad when he's gotten on the field, and he's still going to make a little bit of money at the moment. He hasn't scored terrible That's yet. Really? Yeah, so I... Initially, I thought, oh, no, I made a big mistake. I really have to get Griffin in my side, and that um, 83 or whatever it was, round one, was obviously eye-popping. But he only scored, um, what, 40s um, for round two, and I've kind of gone off him a little bit. Where Do you have Griffin in your side, Wilford? No, I don't. Um, I looked very closely at him, and I was, I was always going to wait one more week and see how he went this week. Yep. I guess the thing that muddies you know, that score is that he spent a lot of his time at lock. Yeah. Um, or a fair chunk of it. He played 80 minutes, but, yeah, he did spend a fair chunk of it playing lock um, because Barnett went down with the HIA in the first five minutes. So I don't think he's going to get 80 minutes normally. I would assume if he's only playing 60 or meant to play 60, his PPM, you know, isn't rubbish, which it is when he played 80. Yep. So I think, I mean, he's not a bad option, definitely. I mean, he's got a decent break-even because he's fairly cheap. But he's, again, similar to the Corey Thompson thing, you know, come week three, his break-even is not going to be as nice as it is now. 
So yeah, that's a really good point for people to understand as well. Like he's minus thirty nine at the moment, which looks absolutely mint. It looks like he's going to just go great. Um, but once that that round one score, you really want guys to really have a good score round two or round three because you want that in their rolling average for more than just a week. Once that eighty two falls out, um, and that's why I've gone off him this week myself. I um, I don't think he's a bad buy, like you said, but I don't think that you really need to. If there's better options that you don't have, go for those because if he scores another, you know, 40 points this week, um, then that 82 drops out. It's really not looking very good for his projected money, is it? Yeah, I mean, if he scores another 40 points this week, then his break even the week after is already going to be 23. Yeah. So, and he'll be about 300, you know, 305. 310 grand, somewhere around there. I think, yeah, I mean, if he keeps averaging, say, 40, 45, he'll still make money. He could make about 120, 130 grand as well. It's just going to be a slow burn. And that's, you know, assuming he'll keep the minutes and who knows what happens. Could you've got, you know, uh, Danny Levi floating about. Yeah. Too, too much uncertainty for me, personally. Yeah, I I agree. I, I don't mind the trade in if you know you've got everyone else, but or if you want to do it, then sure. But uh, I think all the guys that we've spoken about are ahead of him. So you know, if you're looking at Griffin and you don't have a TPJ, uh, an RFM, a Semi, a Hiku, all those guys are better options than Griffin. And I would be getting all those guys ahead of um, of say Griffin right now, which is very different to what we would have said a week ago, probably because he was all the rage. Yeah. I do think he's he's a good option if you've got a Hazili stuck in your second hooker spot. You're just, just trying to sabotage me, aren't you? You just you know no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it, it's a safe play um, if Hazili does get you know 25, 30 minutes for some reason one week. That it's going to mess up all of his money making, really. Um, yeah. If he only gets that, I mean, he doesn't have the best PPM. He's obviously looked pretty good on the field, like you said, and he can jack some attacking stats, which he has. Um, it's just, you know, just that one week where he only gets 30 minutes and he only scores 15 points because they're standing under the sticks half the time or whatever, you know, that's going to really put a dampener on the money-making and then you're better off, you know, possibly having a Griffin to shift up there and ditch severely straight away for someone else. Yep. No, I agree. Um, so let's just briefly, before we go on to the quick TLTs, um, other guys that aren't necessarily these mid-range cow types um, are also around um, as far as guns that you can throw in to try and, uh, I guess, alleviate mistakes or get in before they go up too much. Um, and one of the guys that I was really keen on and thought that he was going to be a bit of a gun in the preseason that I'm glad came off was uh, Ponga, who has looked fantastic. Yeah. The first two rounds, he's looked great and, you know, arguably the best fullback at the moment that you can have in your team. If you don't have him, I do think it's a great buy to get him. Um, I guess the reality is for us guys that own him, like myself, it's a really good thing because if you need to get him, you're probably going to have to trade uh, a Tedesco or a Tommy Turbo um, or somebody like that to be able to get him in the side. Do you think that people should be making that buy and getting Ponga in for one of those guys? 
I would say unless they have a really critical error in somewhere else in their team, they probably shouldn't. Just because, you know, they committed to the two-gun approach, expecting to hold them both for the year. Yeah. So to bail on that after two rounds in just seems a bit silly. As good as Ponga is going, um, you know, you wouldn't back him to keep it up for all season um, because he is a young guy and, you know, there's always a chance that he'll break. Um, not that, you know, Teddy and Turbo are particularly <laughs> injury-free um, themselves, but uh, you'd you back of those three, you'd back Ponga to get an injury before the other two. Probably. But yeah, look, I, I don't think I don't think you can. Um, this seems like a waste of a trade because obviously, you know, all three of them scored really well last week, um, and you know, it just seems a bit, you know, you, you're sideways free up a, a, a boatload of cash, um, but. You know, unless you're really struggling, like you've screwed yourself and you've got Cardi and Watson in five eight or something like that, where you need to, you know, somehow rescue that position. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be making anything drastic like downgrading a Teddy or a Turbo to Palmer. Yep, no, I agree. Um, I'm just happy that I don't have to make that decision, to be honest, and I'm glad I have him because I do. I yeah. he's not going to keep up an eighty five average, but I think he could keep up a seventy two. Um, something like yeah. that with the with the goal kicking and um, his TBs, he just looks like he's going to break a tackle every time he runs the ball. It's um, fantastic. So um, if you don't own one of those Gunzo guys, I think that it's probably definitely a good trade in. Um, the last guy I'll mention with the the buys is um, not that he's a gun, um, but he could be this year. Cook, if you didn't start with Cook in your hooking spots, Wilfred. Um, I'm seeing some pretty good super coaches saying he's pretty much a must buy. Sexter, I think, said it as well. Um, I don't, I don't see many guys as must buys, but I think that if you don't have other things to fix up in your team, you probably should be looking at getting Cookie and even his price at close to 380k. He's he's looking fantastic. Yep, I agree. Um, look, I, I was always set on him once we had all those rumours that South were going to play an 80 minute hooker. Um, I was pretty confident he'd be fair to the to the spot, um, and yeah, from from pretty much when I made my team, uh, I set Smith Cook as my hookers, and I set Teddy Ponga as my uh, fullbacks, and I didn't change any of them, like yep, pretty much the whole preseason. So uh, I was pretty confident in both of those calls, and, and I think they're yeah, they're, they're definitely delivering so far. Yeah, the only guy I don't have out of those combos is um, is Smith, and I um, actually was be- hoping and banking on saving the you know two hundred eighty grand and having Damian Cook score within four or five points of what Smith would score. At the moment, yeah, he's, he's actually <laughs> beating him. <laughs> so yeah, that's great. It's uh, it's great when these things come off. Ponga and Cook are the two that have come off for me from round one big time. So I'm pretty happy about those. Um, yep. So, yeah, some really good buys there, some mid-range guys, some cows. Um, but let's do a quick run-through now that we've gone through our market watch of our TLT for round two, or for round three, yep. I should say. Um, so, realistically, let's have a look game by game. We'll only quickly go through uh, the main ins and outs and relevant guys. Um, so, with... The first game, we've got the Storm versus the Cowboys on the Thursday night. Um, 
This one here with the Storm, Kafusi's um, still sidelined, so we've got Joe Stimson named at lock, but no other real um, big team news for Supercoach anyway. Pretty much the same. No. Um, yeah, I think they're actually unchanged from last week. So. Oh, yep, you're right, they are. There we go. So um, as far as the Cowboys go, um, the big news was that Cohen Hess actually got uh, named to start in the back row, which I thought was really interesting. Um, he's he's yeah. a he's a hard one to buy, but he's one of those ones where I'm I'm almost I almost have to just agree that he's going to score a lot of tries. <laughs> it's gotten to that point, hasn't it, where it's just he's going to hit that. Yeah, I think um, in one of the articles I did, he scored in um, ten tries in his last twenty games coming off the bench. So that's a ridiculous strike rate when you're coming off the bench. In limited minutes. limited minutes. Yeah, he's scoring one try every two games. So um, having said that, like Ethan Lowe did not look good last week. So I can I can understand why um, Green's gone and done the swap. He looked abysmal. I, think, yeah. I was talking to Billy about it and um, saying when I was watching the game, I was looking at the stats because I was thinking about, you know, how did Ethan Lowe get this bad when a year ago he would make a lot of tackles and a lot of runs at least, even if they weren't that effective, and now he's just doing nothing. It was, um, yeah, it was a really easy change to get Cohen Hess in. Um, it was the, weird, though, because he wasn't that bad week one. It was just this week it was not good at all. He's had a little yeah. bit of that in him the last year, I think, off and on. I think, um, I don't know, he might be one of those guys. He actually reminds me a little bit of Aiden Guerra, who... Um, had a few years of really good relevance and then kind of just, I don't know, kind of got old really quickly, um, even though they weren't old, if that makes sense, yeah. just in their game style and stuff. Um, it's not even laziness. It's just inability to do the same work and be as active or as athletic anymore. Um, but the other things that changed uh, was Michael Morgan came in at number six. That's going to be pretty relevant to see whether JT can keep it up because he hasn't had to... He's 110. He didn't really have to contend with Michael Morgan being there because he wasn't. Um, so that will definitely be a watch as well and I guess is the other big change. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think you know that was all people were worried about in the preseason. And I guess this is where we watch and see if it is the case. So uh, going on to the next game with the Bulldogs and Panthers... Um, now, we spoke about that rotating lock position. It's rotated again. Uh, we've got Aidan yeah. Tolman starting at number 13 now uh, with uh, Farmanu Brown finding his way on the bench as well now. Um, Adam Elliott, um, surprising that he just went from being the lock of the future city country guy last year to just, you know, off and on minutes and stuff. But Tolman gets to start at 13 now. The other big change is uh, Jerry Marshall King gets to start at number 6 with Frawley dropped. Um, I was saying earlier, Wilfred, I actually thought Frawley had been quite decent. I'm a little bit surprised. Yeah, I have to agree. I didn't think if all the things that you had to fix in that team, dropping Frawley was really the answer. Um, like, I've actually thought the Bulldogs were pretty decent. Sure, the defense hasn't been that great, but like with ball in hand, they looked a lot better than they did last year. Um, I think Mumbai and at the fullback has been really, like, not good so much for Supercoach yet, but I think there's a lot of potential there and I've definitely got my eye on him. Yeah, I thought about him in the preseason too and I agree with you. I mean, I don't know how, I don't know what sort of expectations that they had when they were a team that wasn't a top eight side 
going into a new season with a new coach and some new positions and playing the Storm and the Roosters the first two rounds. I mean, surely you didn't expect to get two wins. So, I mean, I don't know what the panic is, but, you know. Um, The other thing with this game, I guess, Bulldogs-Penrith, that I kind of like, it's probably going to, it's got a bit of potential to be a decent super coach um, game as well. Um, But, yeah, we'll see how long Frawley ends up being dropped. I'm not too interested in having a look at um, Jerry Marshall King too much at this stage. Um, So, Fatala Mariner obviously retains his spot, looking another 80 minutes probably. With the Panthers, unfortunately, Sam McKendry is out for the his third ACL injury, which is um, mm. really sad for him. Yep. Um, Moses Leota. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. I hope he does actually recover this time, but um, it's going to be pretty uphill. Um, Moses <laughs> Leota comes onto the bench um, with the other, the other change, and Peachy remains on the bench, which I guess is another good uh, thing for those that are looking at Josh Mansell. Yeah. Um, so, are you are you on Mansour as well? Have you sort of started to creep in with a bit of interest now that the TLTs are going to consistently have Peachy on the bench? It looks like. I actually thought about starting with him over Tupo, even though Peachy was there, because I was my preseason prediction was that once um, both Blake and Fare were fit, um, Peachy would move back and play utility. And, and like that's, that's actually what's happened. Um, so yeah, look, definitely, I've definitely had my eye on um, on Mansour. And you know, if if Nofo doesn't make it to round three or round four, I will probably jump on Mansour instead as my like my official two pro replacement as yep. my second center wing gun. Interesting. Well, um, I'm off Mansour at the moment, but I've got a big watch on him. Um, Tigers versus your Broncos um, on Friday. Campbelltown Sports Stadium, going to be a big one. <laughs> I expect uh, the crowd to really give it to the Broncos there, Wilford, but um, I actually really like the Broncos for this one. I think that they're going to bring the Tigers back to earth and put some points on. Um, I really, really do see this as one that they, the Tigers fall down on. Um, so the big change really for the Tigers, Elijah Taylor's out uh, with injury. Yeah. Um, and Matt Eisen, who That's starts big. to block... Yeah, it is. I actually really like Matt Eisenhuth. I um I wish he was a bit cheaper. I probably would have had a punt on him. Yeah, agree. Um, but he's he's not a defensive specialist. He's he's gal. He's going to run, yeah. uh, basically. <laughs> well, he's got the gallon blood in him. Apparently, he's got the DNA. Cousin's his cousin, yep. Yeah, so he 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 likes to hit up, um, but. I'm not sure he's going to be able to replace that defensive, you know, the 60 tackles or whatever that Taylor makes each week. Well, the good news is that Robbie Rocco retains his starting edge-back row spot and maybe some of the tackles will fall to him, um, which will be nice. So <laughs> that would be good. Um, Corey Thompson, oh, the, yeah, he's he's retained at fullback as well with uh, Tui Lola here out as well still. Yeah, I guess the interesting thing for the Broncos is there's Jack Bird sitting in number 19 at the moment. Yep. Um, so I, I don't know if it's Bennett being sneaky. I, I'm i almost tempted to say Jaden Sewell's going to drop out and Bird slips in on the bench. Yeah, and, I, I can yeah. see that happening for sure. Um, I mean, that's it's the only real change for your Broncos aside from um, Tomo in the centres there, which... You, Aside from the bench, I guess Bird could slot in and just go straight into centre. But 
Yeah. I think the reason why I think that is because Ofecic has been so injury-prone himself. There's been so many games where he's started and not finished. Yep. And we've ended up with Alex Glenn playing centre and just getting slaughtered. So uh, <laughs> that's why I think Bird might end up there. So he's kind of half injury cover, half you know, give him a bit of a run to try to get some match fitness into him kind of thing. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm confident that the Broncos will win. I just don't know if it's going to be... Uh, as a big high-scoring game, given the way the Tigers have been defending, but I do put a lot of that down to Elijah Taylor holding down that middle. I'm going to say 22 to 10. There you go, Broncos win. Which Patrick, means... bro, Patrick, Patrick to Milford. <laughs> oh, I'm going to be BC Milford. I'm, I'm all over it. Yeah, me too. Once Taylor was out, I was like, yeah, I'm going to slap that BC on Milford again. <laughs> Straight up the middle of the ruck. Run Milford. Uh, Raiders versus <laughs> Warriors the is the next one uh, on the Saturday. Uh, so this one is a bit of an interesting one because it, the Raiders have a heap of injuries, but not guys that are definitely out yet. So um, yep. there's obviously BJ Leilu is a big one. He was named at four um, to start in the centres. And Cinder's Moses injuries, we were talking about him with the market watch stuff. He could very easily drop out. Um, so I think it's more than a 50% chance that he's not going to play. Um, it's really annoying. Hopefully we know a little bit more soon. Um, on the extended bench, we've got Michael Oldfield, who will probably come in for him. Uh, Joseph Tappany's uh, there in 18, which is interesting. There was a bit of mail that he might even come in this week, um, which would really annoy me because I had to dump him last week after he got injured. Um, but They say he's a week-to-week prospect from what I've read now. Yep. So I guess I'd be... You'll probably sleep better at night knowing that you don't have to really count on him and, and you know, be sweating on his fitness each week. So, yeah. Um, the, the thing that I'm a little bit concerned about is I think it's going to be raining um, in Canberra, assuming that's where they're playing. Yeah, they're in Canberra. So if it's raining there, that's going to make things... Geez, that could be a really ugly game with the Raiders and Warriors in the rain. There yeah, it depends on the time. I think it, it might still be okay at the time they're playing, or like obviously we're still quite a few days out. So if that forecast changes, um, you know, they could get a bit ugly. So I mean, I originally had the vice captain Rapana, uh, but I, I've, I've obviously I've put on Milford, and I, I don't think I'm going to captain Rapana as as my backup. So it's a tough one. The, the weather's going to play a part this week, for sure. Yeah, it's that's going to be really interesting. It is a 3pm one, but I was initially going to captain Rapana um, straight out and just have the VC on Milford um, because I tried to be safe last round and it really backfired. So um, Did you captain Smith? <laughs> no. Um, oh, wait, you don't have Smith, yeah. I uh, captained captain Sam Smith. Burgess uh, because I got... Really jaded after going for a back with Teddy in round one, and um, yeah. yeah, I just I thought Sammy threw out sixty five points in the first week or something like that, and I thought he was going to play about seventy minutes, and then I got then I got swayed by looking at his scores against Penrith, which were like you know eighty eight, ninety five, hundred three, something like that the last three, and yeah, yeah it wasn't safe at all. It ended up, but it ended up being what um, a point better than Smith, I think. So yeah, could have been could have been a Smith owner. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I captain Smith for that. 
Oh, so we had the same score, so there we go. I couldn't have done that bad. Um, so aside from that with the Warriors, I mean, the other big news which we kind of touched on is um, we do have Ignatius Parsi coming onto the bench um, as well. Um, Jazz Tavaga's on there now as well with Sam Cook out. Um, and Isaiah Papali is out for six weeks now with uh, Pooley starting for him. So... Yep. There's, it's a little bit of a mess there for them. I don't really know what that's going to look like. I think it's going to be a wait and see. As far as super coach relevance, um, I still think if if somehow Parsi ends up starting, if not this week, then the next, he's a bit of a watch at 300k just because I kind of rate him if he gets the minutes. Um, but other than that, the rest of the back line and everything's pretty standard. Yeah, I guess we probably should give a shout-out to RTS, who's... You know, it's hard to pick, obviously, given that the fullback slot is so packed. But 533 grand, he's got a negative 19 break even because he's got that monster 130 score. Oh, man, Billy week. gushed gushed all over him when we're doing the review. Don't worry, he got he got <laughs> many accolades. Don't worry about that. He's um, I was going through his stats and it was just like, wow, he's got. He's got points in like every category this week, and he's just killed it. And even if you take out his his try and his line breaks, he still scored a hundred, like you know ninety seven points or something. It was just ridiculous. It was um, it was a, a great week for him. So yeah, if if you're lucky enough, but then again, if you own him, it means that you don't own a turbo, uh, a ponger, or a teddy potentially. Exactly. So, yeah, it's, it's if only they're all centre wings again. Um, so oh, that'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, well, imagine our set of wings. They wouldn't be the dirt that they are now, that's for sure. Um, right. Rabbitohs vs Sea Eagles is our um, Sunday 5.30pm matchup. And this one we got Fumano, Fumano um, with a discarded toe replaced on the bench by Heimel Hunt. Interesting yep. that they got Heimel Hunt going onto the bench because, I mean, he's obviously more of a centre or even a winger. And Fumano could play in the centres, but he's he's a forward. Um that's a bit of an interesting yep. one. Um, Greg Inglis has been named, but he still has to pass the concussion protocol. Um, so he yep. may even still be a late scratcher. Maybe that's why Hunt's there. Yeah, well, I mean, he had um, he had Hunt on the bench week one, and he sat him there for 80 minutes. So I don't know. I think I guess they just want to have that backup just in case someone goes down. Yeah, probably. Ken Murray does start again, so that's the other big... Um, Super coach news um, and the real main changes for the rabbits. Um, so the Sea Eagles, geez, you'd hope that you wouldn't change a team that won 54 nil the week before. And um, yeah, no changes to the 17. So they've done the right thing. Um, Darcy Lussie yeah, exactly. has um, has been added to the reserves, so he might be pushing for a comeback. But um, yeah, probably he'll wait another week and. The other guys will be there. So really, the only um, relevant thing is that Lusick is lurking, I guess. So one of those yeah. other guys um, is going to get cut, if not this week, then next week. Um, you was mentioning Tanganoa was a interest for you. I kind of thought that Lloyd Parrott would probably stick ahead of Tanganoa if Lusick came in. Yeah, I could see why. Um, it's just I think Barrett has been impressed because he's been bringing Tanganoa as first forward off the bench each the last two weeks. Yeah. But I don't know if that's because he wants to, you know, have that little um, Tapao, Tanganoa combo, um, you know, not having 
taking off to bow, being able to put on a Tanganoa and having that big wrecking ball kind of forward. Uh, I don't know if that's what he's trying to do, but yeah, it's uh, it's a tough one. Um, I definitely agree. Yeah, I'm just going to sit back and wait and see what happens there. I don't think I'm going to touch any of those guys. Um, yeah, I am leading towards um, now. Now that you've mentioned, you know, the job security issues and stuff, I'm definitely leading towards perhaps just going last to to um, RFM and just locking that in and not having to worry about it. Well, you know how I feel about RFM, so I'm not going to argue with you there. So. Um, <laughs> yep. The Saturday night clash, Eels versus Sharks. Sharks have been looking pretty woeful. Um, the Eels have also looked woeful, so this is going to be quite interesting. Um, so the changes here, we've got both Scott coming onto the bench. Um, Kane Evans earned his starting spot for all of one game where he looked terrible, as I knew he yeah. would as a Roosters fan and watching him for far too long. Um, yeah. Kenny Edwards came in as well to basically replace Will Smith. I was really surprised that after their forward pack got dominated and everything that happened to the Eels last week, that they decided that Will Smith was a reason for that. I mean, like, I, I don't understand some of these things. Like, it was guys like Tepe Maroa um, and, you know, some of these other forwards, Kane Evans was another one, that really got dominated. And I didn't really think Will Smith had, had much chance to do anything. And he gets dropped. Yeah, I agree. It's um, yeah. It hurts Nathan Brown owners a bit as well because it was good to have Will Smith on the bench and only the three forwards, right? Yeah, I mean, I think um, Kenny Woods has come in for Takarangi, um, who's injured. Yep, that's right. So that's um, I think both got some direct placements for Will Smith. So uh, I guess it depends because Cam, Cameron King still has passed his concussion test. I mean, he was out cold. Um, yeah. <laughs> No, on the weekend, so uh, I think Pritchard might be getting the call up. Yeah, I and, think he will um, too. I don't, I don't know how much he's been playing in Reggie's or whatever, but if there's any question marks about his ability to play Eddie straight away, we might find Will Smith back anyway. And, yeah. You know, I'm not sure. I just don't know if both Scott's really the answer to, you know, being to not being dominated in the middle because he's. He's past it. He's just too old now. He is. Unfortunately, when you look at the Eels pack, they're all pretty past it. I mean, <laughs> Tim Manners past Alvaro got the start, yeah. Yeah, Alvaro got the start, which I think is good. He's been pretty solid, but Tim Manners passed it as much as he tries. Bo Scott's passed it as much as he tries. Um, Tempo yeah. Moreau has passed it because he's hurt all the time, and he just... I, I really um, would hate it as an Eels fan to keep seeing them persist with trying to start him. He's had chronic shoulder issues for so long now. And he went down again on the he weekend. Liked the HIA. Yeah, yeah. He liked the HIA. Yeah, he liked the cheeky HIA as well. Yeah, he certainly does. Um, the Sharks side, um, we've got Josh, Josh Dugan retaining the fullback spot, much um, to Valentine Holmes' disgust, I'm sure. But the big news in the back line was Jesse Ramian um, has come in and is starting centre. So... He's a bit of a young gun called in place of Aaron Gray. He is moving on next year, though, so I'm not getting too excited yeah. about him. I don't think they're going to persist with him too much. Um, Luke he's Lewis. like 302 grand anyway. Oh, is he? I didn't realise he played enough games to to get that. He yeah. played one. He played one. He scored 70. So oh. <laughs> he's discounted, apparently. 
So that's his discount. He's three hundred two grand because he played one game and he's hardly played in the NRL. That's that's it. It's pretty crossed all over again. Oh jeez. Well, Luke Lewis is the only other one on an extended bench that might come in. Um, so yeah, not a lot of interest there. Titans versus Dragons on the Sunday. Um, this one here, we've got Ash Taylor returning, which is a big plus for them. It does push Bryce Cartwright to lock. I did think that Bryce Cartwright was going to get some good attacking stats going and maybe some confidence against the Warriors. didn't happen, so maybe I can sort of hope that he gets his at least his tackles and his runs up, I guess, in the middle. Yeah, I mean, he was, I, mean I watched most of the game and I just felt that he was so unlucky. Because he had allergy dropped a couple of balls, which, you know, if, if he'd managed to hold on to them, they should have been tries. Like, he should have scored them. Um, there was one disallowed try, which, I mean, it was obstruction, but, you know, a little, tiny little tweak from James, you know, not stopping in the line uh, and running through it. That would have probably been another try to him. Uh, sorry, try assist and line break assist to him. So he had about three tries, uh, try assists denied. And then there were a couple of dodgy forward pass calls that pinged him as well. So he could easily have gotten a hundred on that um, in that game. So it's it's hard with Cardi. I mean, you leave him out, and he could turn up. Um, he doesn't look <laughs> as interested though. You know, like his motivation sort of seems down. So I don't know. I'm I'm hoping that this game that we see some offloads from him at lock, and he at least starts offloading a bit more. But yeah, yeah. I mean, the other forward thing here is that. We've got um, Wallace back on the bench, and I guess the big thing is that Jared Wallace could easily come in and and be started for Latu anyway. Um, it yeah. would be a real kick in the guts if he comes in and starts for, um, you know, say Jai Arrow instead. That would be really annoying yeah. because, you know, I'm sure Jai Arrow owners are pretty happy that they actually went with him with all the risk and everything because he's been playing quite well. Um, but I think Wallace yeah. will probably come in for Latu now for sure. I just think either way, someone's losing minutes, and Jai Arrow's had the most lately. So, um, you know, Wallace is going to get at least 55 minutes, if not up to 65 or whatever, like he was playing last year yep. and just smashing it for them. So I just can't see him playing less minutes just because there's been a few more recruits or anything like that. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and the Dragons team is the same, um, but. It's not going to be the same, and I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent here, Wilfred, and talk about one of my pet hates, and maybe you can explain some reasoning to me. The Dragons team's the same, 1-17, as what it has been with Harmay CLA at 17, but each of the last couple of weeks, Jeremy Lattimore has come in from jumper 18 and taken CLA's spot. Does Mary McGregor think that this is some sort of fantastic coaching mind game that gets him wins by Jeremy Lattimore being at number 18 and then the team panicking? <laughs> as the opposition knowing Lattimore's coming to the team. Because he's done it for two weeks now. And if he does it for yeah. a third week, I, I think I'm going to go crazy. At least, um, I mean, how did you cope with um, Flanagan rotating Tagatizian prior for all those years? <laughs> I did not cope well with that at all. I, I, I do not understand it. Apparently it was a superstition thing. Like, I think... Uh, I can't remember which one, but one of them liked wearing the 16 and, and not the 10. Uh, so that's why he did it. Even though there was always known that, you know, well, the other one would start and the other one would be on the bench. So That makes a lot. Anyway. That actually makes some sense. 
I'm pretty sure yeah, if we ask, I've got no idea. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if we ask Mary McGregor, um, he would actually not even understand why we're questioning yeah. it. So I don't think that'll make any sense. So let's just move on from the Jeremy yeah. Lattimore jumper eighteen kind of starting in discussion, and yeah. we'll go into the Roosters versus Knights. Um, big matchup. Um, I feel like it's Roosters versus Roosters, so it's going to be a great game for me. The um, <laughs> bring the band back together. Oh, it is. They. It'll be one of the only games of the season where one to seventeen of each team will go and have a beer together right afterwards. <laughs> um, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I actually think that they're all going to step up, and it's going to be a really good game because one of those things when you when you play footy against your mates, you really want to get over the top of them. Um, yeah. And you you know it's it's going to be really good. So with the Roosters, um, they have a few changes. Um, Mitchell Orbison, despite. Um, that headwind is still on the bench and it looks like he, he's going to probably play. Um, might get ruled out still, but Ryan Madison's obviously starting on that edge in the um, number 12 jumper, like we said. That's really interesting. Um, we spoke about that a lot in Market Watch, so we won't go through that again. But the other thing that's interesting, Wilfred, is um, after being benched a couple of weeks and rumours that Napa is unhappy at the Roosters, He's suddenly starting at number 10, and JWH has actually been benched. Yeah, well, last week, I think he got... Napa played the big minutes. And 60 he must have been something, I think he even played, yeah. It yeah, was. I, think, I think he must have, you know, impressed in his time on the ground. So, um, Robinson probably just wanted to give him the extra reward him for his effort, played more minutes, and given him the start this week. So, mm. interesting. It is. Uh, I guess the other thing... Um, yeah, we should point out it's Reese Robinson, right? Coming in. Yeah, that was the next big thing. I mean, I've got Tupo and I was wondering whether they were, and I think me and you were talking about whether they go for the easy option and just throw Reese Robinson in there or they try and change sides, which is one of my other pet hates that coaches don't think that a, <laughs> a left edge second row can play right edge and things like that. Um, I couldn't remember yeah. what side Reese Robinson used to play on because it's been that long since he's been in the NRL, but um, he's on yeah, the Carl Mitchell side now, so. Um, I guess I, that was the easiest option rather than putting a, an Orbison um, in the centres and having, you know, a Joseph Manu go out to the wing or something like that. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. I don't think he'll go too well, to be honest, Reese Robinson, but hopefully he um, hopefully he does against the Knights. Well, I just uh, mean, you know, this Jim mentioned elsewhere that he apparently became a pretty handy goal kicker when he was playing rugby union. I, just remembered that when you were about to say, yeah, he did. He was actually quite a good goal kicker. So there is a little bit of a Latrell Mitchell watch on that, isn't it? Yeah. All, all I can say is I'm glad I'm not a Mitchell owner. Yeah. I, I think Mitchell owners wish they could say, I'm glad I'm not a Mitchell owner at this point because he's done pretty much what we thought he would and that's be a little bit all over the place. Um, so yeah. moving on from that game, uh, sorry, from that team, um, the Knights are their opposition and... A lot of roosters in the night side, as we said. Um, it is the big change, I guess, is Jamie Bura um, on the bench there, um, pushing Jacob Safidi to reserves. Um, Bura is going to be interesting on how they use him um, in this one. Um, but other than that, you know, the night side's pretty much the same, and you'd expect that because they've had a good start to the season. So there isn't too yeah. much there. I just don't think they're going to be able to match the Roosters this time. I mean, Bureau was there round one, and he just didn't play very many minutes, which I found surprising, given he's co-captain. 
Yeah, um, I was worried that he was actually that, that was my old slave Griffin worry from the beginning that um you know it wasn't just Brock Lamb and Watson, it was also Jamie Bure that he had to contend with and then Bure didn't get many minutes anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how that all plays out. Like I said, I'm glad that I don't have to worry about it, to be honest. But, I mean, Brock Lamb only got... Uh, he got actually 32 minutes in, in round one because of extra time. Uh, he got 23 minutes in round two. So it's, it's interesting um, how Browns can use him because he, he was... You know, in the in the press conference, he was talking about how he had to get more um, out of Lamb, wanted him more on the field more, which we're worried about how that impacts both Watson and Griffin, um, because obviously Watson is the one who's been filling in at nine uh, when Griffin goes off. Well, the other thing that's Brock interesting with that is, um, you know, he might want to get more out of him, but this is a game as well where um, you can pretty much guarantee the Roosters players. Uh, not going to get preference, but, the, you know, an Aiden Guerra isn't going to play less minutes than he normally does. He'll, he could even pick up more minutes just because he's going to want to play against his old club. Uh, uh, Watson, um, I could see even getting, um, having a bit of a blinder and staying on the field at 5'8 for even five minutes more. Or even, you know, if he's having a blinder and it's a tough game and they're doing well against the Roosters, I could see a Brock Lamb sitting on the bench for the 80 minutes. Um, it's, yeah. it's one of those things that happens from time to time in footy. Yeah, I mean, funny you mentioned Guerra because he hasn't—he's played like every minute so far, pretty much, except one minute. And for some oh, reason, has he? So, is yeah. he? That's how much yeah. I paid attention to Aiden Guerra. You know, he was one of those guys. Oh, I, couldn't, I couldn't wait to get him off the books, Wilfred. I've got to tell you, I loved him for the first couple of years, and I loathed him for his last couple of years. So I just—I can—I I, I can hear what you're saying there, but. I wouldn't write him off as far as Supercoach goes there because he's actually been doing pretty well if you look at his stats. Yeah, I saw that he had some high 50s um, and some decent score. He scored a try um, as well. So yeah. I haven't written him off. He's there, but um, I guess um, <laughs> the the downside of Guerra too is aside from the, the foul taste in my mouth he left for his effort that last 18 months especially, he um, he's also second row only, which... Yeah, there's a lot of gun second rowers, so that's probably why he's also not been much on my radar too. Yeah, that's fair. So um, that's the end of the TLT preview as well for round three. Um, Wilfred, thanks for jumping on. It's been a pleasure to have you on the pod. No worries. Thanks for having me. Uh, we'll see you again soon, I'm sure. And uh, to everyone else listening, um, you can download us on iTunes. Also follow us, NRL Supercoach All-Stars podcast on SoundCloud uh, and also the same name on Twitter. Thanks very much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon.